This episode of First Line is sponsored by TrueLearn, an exam prep company best known for their smart banks that turn your weak areas into your strengths. I am so excited to partner with TrueLearn because it is the only company I trusted for Comlex Level 1 prep last year and Level 2 prep this year. For my listeners who are taking the USMLE, TrueLearn also has an amazing USMLE smart bank. Each TrueLearn smart bank practice question has detailed answer explanations and succinct bottom lines to get the big learning takeaway. TrueLearn includes first aid references for each question and an option to create tests based off of topics, so you can use TrueLearn to help prepare for your school's test during the year. Lastly, if you are in your third year like me, TrueLearn also offers smart banks for shelf exams. Go to TrueLearn.com and use one of my special discount codes for up to $35 off your new subscription. Special discount codes can be found in the episode description. TrueLearn is the first line solution to excelling on your your exam. My name is Aubrey Ann Jackson and this is First Line. I'm here to bridge the gap between sophisticated doctor talk and oversimplified patient education to bring listeners of all backgrounds together to discuss whole body health and wellness. Through an osteopathic lens, First Line covers tangible ways to improve your health, hot topics in healthcare, the journey to becoming a physician, mental health, relationships, and even philosophy, all while holistically addressing the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Thanks for joining me for another episode. First Line is now available on a variety of platforms, including Spotify and Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Stitcher, Amazon and Audible, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Castro, Player FM, Podbean, TuneIn, Reason, and iHeartRadio. Please subscribe and follow wherever you listen to your podcasts. I know I'm not the only one who has struggled in the past with impulse eating and cravings and stress eating, eating my emotions, all of the above. When you have this urge to eat and you think that your emotions are involved, whether it's your stress, anxiety, sadness, loneliness, all of the above, instead of reaching for something that you know is going to be a quick fix, I challenge you to sit down and to think through your feelings, pray about it, or meditate, journal, and try to process your feelings and what the main cause is before you self-medicate. Because if you're anything like me, your comfort food that you grab for is probably not the healthiest option. For me, it definitely is some ice cream or popcorn. Try to think of this as not reacting to your feelings, but processing them instead. And the more you pay attention to why you eat due to stress or boredom or emotions. You get to learn the pattern and you're able to prevent it from happening. And awareness is really the first step. Once you start working on that, try to build in some positive habits throughout your day to cope with stress and the emotions you're feeling in a healthier way. You can 
exercise and be active, whether it's running or playing sports or swimming or just going for a walk. Maybe you can join a club if you're in school, some extracurriculars. If you're outside of school, maybe you can join the YMCA or be involved in local events and participate in the community a little bit more. Maybe if you have kids, you can be more involved in their school and their activities. Even just listening to music is a great way to relax and de-stress. And for extra credit, talk to someone about your feelings. Involve another human being. Connect with them. I'm sure that they will support you. They may even have a solution or advice for you depending on what your situation is, but maybe they can just serve as a good listener for you to vent to. Try to add some fun to your day. If you have an old hobby that you think you don't have time for anymore, try to incorporate it even just a few minutes a day. When you're stressed, you're probably reaching for something fatty, salty, or sugary. These are known as comfort foods because they help us deal with stress. And there's science to back this up. There's a interaction between stress hormones like cortisol and then ghrelin, which is the hormone that causes hunger. And then it also interacts with leptin, which is the hormone that leads to fullness, so the opposite. Stress can also increase blood sugar, and the reason why this happens is that there's more sugar in your bloodstream so that muscles will have fuel that it can obtain from the bloodstream as sugar, and then they can fight or flee as part of the fight or flight response. And if your muscles aren't working to use up that excess blood sugar, so you're not actually running, you're just stressed, and your body's just experiencing that without any expenditure of that energy, then that blood sugar is just sitting in your bloodstream. And then your body secretes insulin in response to that increased blood sugar so that your body can reabsorb that sugar so that you're not hyperglycemic, you don't have too much blood sugar that's damaging your vessels, and then reabsorbing all that sugar back into your cells is a problem because that's usually as fat storage, especially around the abdomen. And if this happens over and over again with this cortisol and the insulin release, this can lead to an increase in insulin resistance, which is how diabetes type 2 is developed. So does stress in itself cause diabetes type 2? Well, not so much, but it definitely is a factor. It can increase your risk of developing diabetes type 2, especially if your diet is underlining poor, you're not exercising as much, and if you have family history. Stress can also cause moodiness. You might feel less motivated to do everything that you know you should do as far as getting healthy and losing weight if that's a goal of yours. So stress and poor diet and weight gain, it's all this never-ending cycle. And so like a lot of things, it's good to attack this from both sides to work on your diet, 
work on your mood and work on your stress levels as well. Cortisol, that stress hormone that I mentioned, is also part of your circadian rhythm. So under normal conditions, cortisol actually increases right before you wake up and then slowly drops during the day. When you're supposed to feel your most stressed is as soon as you wake up and cortisol is supposed to drop during the day. And that's because we want that blood sugar to fuel our muscles as soon as we get up in the morning. But by the end of the day, our bodies are more likely to be in that rest and digest state instead of that fight or flight. So our cortisol slowly goes down. But this is interrupted if you have stress in your life that causes cortisol spikes during the day, especially if it's at night, then it's completely opposite. And then in the morning, you're probably not making the cortisol that you need to start your day and to have energy in the morning. So you can see how a lot of this is interrelated with sleep, mood, stress, weight loss, healthy diet, exercise. All of this is interrelated. So how do you know if you're stressed? Because I think a lot of us are kind of used to this baseline feeling of stress. We're just stressed all the time and we don't even realize it. So here are just a few things to look out for. Then you know if you're feeling more stressed than usual and that's your cue that you have to look more into this and think about more ways that you can manage your stress. A lot of times, stress can also show up in our bodies and not necessarily affect our thinking. I think when when it does affect our mental health, other people start to notice it a little bit more. But when stress impacts our body, a lot of times we can brush it off as being something else. Or maybe we think we have some sort of disease that's undiagnosed or we just brush it off as, okay, it's back pain just as a symptom that just happens to people. Especially since so many of us are stressed and so many of us are feeling similar symptoms. So one thing you want to look out for is fatigue. So feeling kind of low energy, feeling exhausted when you shouldn't. So think about if it's hard to get through your day without things like stimulants like coffee or like constantly snacking like you always need to have your blood sugar up if you are encountering that that might be due to lack of sleep or it might be due to stress if you have any unexplained weight gain that can be due to stress being under stress makes it harder to maintain a healthy weight and it's much harder to lose weight so if you're eating the same amount and you are staying at the same weight. Now, if you're stressed, you might even gain weight and go the other direction with it. Also, if you have a lack of sex drive, if you notice decreased libido, that might be a sign that you're stressed. When we're having sex, it's important to feel relaxed. That's really the first step before we can really be stimulated. We need to feel that level of relaxation. You can kind of think of this as You know, I always like to think of it as like running from a lion. Your body is in fight or flight mode. And that's really what your body does under stress. It's in this fight or flight mode. 
and you can kind of think how it wouldn't be suitable for us if there was a lion chasing us to just give up running and then have sex. That doesn't really make sense. So why would it make sense for us to want to have sex under stress? Also, if you have weakened stress responses, so that just means that your threshold for becoming anxious or overwhelmed or upset or angry goes down. So it takes little things to get a response out of you. You're very reactive. Next is headaches. And this is an easy one for someone to just be like, okay, I have a history of migraines or I often get tension headaches or maybe it's a caffeine headache or a caffeine withdrawal headache. And then it's something that you can just take Uh, ibuprofen or acetaminophen and then the headache goes away. Well, fine, but that is a symptom trying to alert your body that something else is going on. You're feeling stressed, you're feeling overwhelmed, and you feel that pain in your head. You can also have hormone imbalance. So you can have things like mood swings and if you are already predisposed to having things like acne, eczema, back pain, PMS, All of that can just come back full force if your body is under stress. I know this happens to me personally. I do have eczema and it is pretty well managed. I had it much worse when I was a kid and even more worse when I was a baby. And I have prescription cream for it. I usually have my flares in the winter when it's really cold and my skin gets super irritable and other people will have it worse in different seasons. Mine shows up in the winter, but occasionally I will get it other times of the year and I almost always am able to connect it with stress if I have an upcoming test. I know last summer when I had board exams during the summer, I had an eczema flare and I was like, well, I usually don't get it in the summer, so it must be due to the stress that I'm feeling. Also, you can have things like appetite changes, which kind of go along with that unexplained weight gain. So a lot of times under stress, we'll have sugar cravings especially or cravings to stimulants like coffee. Some other people could also crave salty foods. Occasionally, this is a little bit rarer when people are stressed, they can even have decreased appetite. So it really matters person to person. But if you see a change in your appetite, it might just be due to stress. And lastly, you can have poor concentration, which can definitely impact your daily functioning, whether you're in school or at work. And If you notice a change in your concentration, again, that could also be due to the sleep disturbances that stress can have and just a lack of focus, maybe some brain fog, and all of this can be linked to stress. So a lot of people, especially if you grew up and didn't have a lot of choices in what you were eating, and then by the time you got into college or just adulthood and working, you kind of stuck with your old ways and you didn't really learn how to choose food and how to eat mindfully and to 
kind of plan out what you're going to eat. A lot of times you kind of just follow what your parents do and kind of go along with it. And a lot of times you might end up eating food that you don't even like or food that is really not healthy for you. And you kind of fall into into this trap, right? So let's talk about how to see food differently. I think some people just see food as, okay, this tastes good or this does not taste good. And other times people think, okay, this is healthy and this is not healthy. So both of those can be dangerous, right? So if you're just doing off of what tastes good, then you are setting yourself up probably for some obesity. And if you're only looking at whether it's healthy or not healthy, then you're probably demonizing food. And when you do choose the unhealthy food, then you're probably going to feel a lot of guilt. So we really don't want either of those. So let's talk about other choices of what to look at for food. So I'll first share what I like to think about with food. So I usually see food as fueling my activities. Okay, so this will probably really identify with people that do sports or have done sports in the past. I have been a runner for years and also just being a student, I think um, kind of fueling my, my mental activities is part of this too. But I always look to food as like, how is this going to help me run faster? Or how is this going to help me focus more on my studies? So a lot of times that sets a way better standard for me with picking healthy food, but also knowing like sometimes I need some carbohydrates in there, you know, to kind of fuel me because that's part of it too. Yeah, maybe I will have some unhealthy food once in a while, but it's it's not harming my activities. I probably won't engage in food just because it tastes good because I know, okay, that's probably not good fuel for my body. So I kind of can draw the line there, but it really is a subjective kind of feeling. And I think that has always worked well for me. It's kept me at a healthy weight and that might work for a lot of you, but sometimes maybe that might not be as much of a good motivation. So I'll share a little bit more. So another one is will this fill me and satisfy me? So this kind of does give you some some structure with eating healthy because you know that when you just eat straight sugar, like a candy, it really doesn't fill you or satisfy you as far as not being hungry anymore. It might decrease it for a little bit, but you'll probably come back even hungrier. And so that really gets you in the mindset of really eating kind of whole foods like fruits and vegetables and complex carbohydrates and proteins. And those are likely to kind of fill you a little bit more and satisfy you so you're not hungry an hour later. And another question you can ask is, how does this food feel in my body? So if you've ever had gastrointestinal issues, then this might be a good one for you because if you have, you know, especially irritable bowel syndrome, you kind of know that some foods make you feel really bad and sick and other foods feel fine and they give you energy and they feel great. And you know that if you do use this question to kind of guide you, you know that if you overeat, you're going to feel terrible. Your stomach is going to be so tense, but then if you undereat, you're just going to be starving and it's not going to feel good. And a lot of times when you have like really heavy, greasy foods, that's not going to feel good either. But then if you have a really good balanced meal, 
It's not going to give you heartburn or stomach pain, and it's not going to make you constipated or give you diarrhea. So that's kind of a good way to think about it too. And then you can ask, does this add balance to my meal? So kind of looking at it, um, kind of like a visual aspect. And this is a good for like the choose my plate people. So kind of picking, okay, I got my protein, my veggies, and my fruit, and my proteins, and my complex carbohydrates. So kind of looking at balance that might work for some people that probably wouldn't work too well for me. Some people like to add color too, because that is very biased towards fruits and vegetables. I think this is probably a really good question for kids, especially if you're kind of treating mindfulness to your children. And then lastly, does this help my mental health? And this is a good one if you have any mental health diagnosis, or maybe you just have chronic stress in your life. So you know that healthy foods are going to make you feel better and unhealthy foods might impact your mental health negatively. So that could be a motivation to guide your food choices as well. You can send me a voice message using the Anchor app. If you want to send me a comment, ask a question, or share any topic ideas that you want for an upcoming episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate it if you take some time, just a minute of your time, to write a review. Hopefully it's five stars, but I really like honest reviews. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much for listening. Again, I'm on Instagram at First Line Podcast. Also on Facebook, facebook.com slash firstlinepodcast. You can reach out for any questions, comments, suggestions, feedback. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks again.